Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 4th of January 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 302. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going during these uh, strange and worrying times. Coming to you from Tier 4, London in the UK, likely to be Tier 10 by the time you listen to this or whatever other tiers we can go up to. We are not doing well in the UK at all. London is a disaster. Another press conference tonight, 20 hundred hours. Clashes with the Southampton and Liverpool kickoff. I'll be watching the PM on the mobile. Been a mess from the start, this whole thing. The way this uh, pandemic has been handled. You cut this government slack at the start even if you hadn't voted Tory, because it's a new thing, this virus. But nine, ten months on from locking down late in the first place, why are they constantly reactive rather than proactive? And I'm sure the stockpilers are going to be back in the next week or two as well. They always seem to uh, come back if they ever have gone away. That's all I need, the uh, stockpilers, the supermarket queuing. With a good book, I can handle that. I got used to that. It's not a good thing to get used to, but, you know, I could get used to it. I could live with it. It's when you've done the queuing up, when you've been in that queue for 30 minutes, you get into the store to do your shopping and the shelves have been stripped. That, for me, has been one of the tough constants in this whole thing. That, for me, has been another example of how we're not all in it together There are too many people who've been in this for themselves, who've put themselves first. Saturday, I took a walk to the local Sainsbury's, which is a 20-minute walk, cutting through the park. It's a a walk to the supermarket that used to be a big carpet shop here in South London up until the noughties. It's a decent-sized supermarket, what they used to be before they all decided they needed to be the size of airports. And on that walk... And this is pretty much every time I make that walk, I barely registered a mask. It's a snapshot of the situation in London, that walk. And sometimes as I walk about with a mask, I see people looking at me the way I probably used to look at the influx of often masked Oriental students and 20-somethings from that part of the world who've moved into Vauxhall and Nine Elms in the last few years. You'd see them in their masks and think, that looks a bit odd. Not anymore. Now I think that's right. Ten months of this and yes, masks inside the supermarkets, people are wearing them, but there are just still way too many people just putting them on before they go into the shops. There there are always people 
I'll see them. Chances. There are two cash points inside the Sainsbury's that I go to, just inside the front doors. And sometimes you'll see guys who don't have masks and they just check with security. If they can just use the cash point, even though they don't have masks and security, just allow them to go past. It's probably they're thinking not worth the trouble of blocking them from coming in. Do we want to live like this forever? Because this is not living. How difficult is it to wear a mask? Surely they are doing something to even anything, anything that is small, that is minimal to prevent the spread of this thing. Surely we need to make the most of anything we can use. And now they're talking about, uh, and I don't know if this is going to be tonight, but they're talking about bringing in three layered masks, which is fine. And I'm all for wearing a better quality of mask, but these are going to be more expensive. This is another recurring outgoing for everyone or for those of us who wear the masks. And, you know, we're talking about people now work from home. And obviously you can offset the cost that you're saving on traveling into work. You're making that saving by working from home. But you're still then, you know, you've got your PC plugged in for seven, eight hours a day from home. That's kind of negating any cost that you're saving from not traveling into work. This is the admin side of the lockdown. I remember reading a piece with Salman Rushdie that was talking about, well, he was talking about when he went into hiding in 89 after writing the Satanic Verses and breaking down all the bills, all the expenses that he incurred as a result of having to live the way he was having to live, you know, for all the security, you know, the electricity, the extra electricity that he was using in his house because of all this protection that he had, all these guys that he had staying in his house. You know, these are costs that some of us didn't have a year ago or nine, ten months ago. The flat is cold. He said, moving on from an anecdote, which he didn't really think through properly. The flat is very cold. January, I do dread January. Every January, the same story. It's a it's a month that is unforgiving in its coldness. And, you know, late December was really giving you an inkling of what January was going to be like. I'm currently wearing eight layers in the morning. I was, I think I went up to 10 layers. I was wearing my big hat, my scarf. I was wearing the uh, the dressing gown. I had to keep the blinds down because uh, the builders stroke scaffolders made a very brief appearance this morning, uh, more of which later. And I wish I'd got the leg warmers that I was considering getting a year ago for last winter. And also the fingerless gloves would be really useful. I do have a good pair of woolly gloves, but I don't want to cut the tips of those. And, uh, you know, this is the problem with having a flat with a high ceiling. It just makes it so difficult to heat this place. And I think I'm now down to just one radiator that I can actually control. The flat is so cold that the nozzles are breaking off. The nozzle in the study, I had to work hard to turn it back to its lowest setting yesterday. Because, you know, you're meant to, they say you're meant to, have the heating on in every room every week for just a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to run into problems in the event of a cold snap. You want those radiators in every room. You want to know that they're working. And I was having the same problem with the radiator nozzle in the study that I had uh, with a one in the bedroom last spring, which broke off. So now I can't control the heating in the bedroom. Luckily for me, when it broke off, 
it broke off while it was on the highest setting. So I got away with it then. The problem with that, of course, is when I'm sticking the heating on, if I'm in the front room, then I've got the heating on full blast in the bedroom when I'm not actually there. I don't have the heating ever switched on in the kitchen because I don't spend much time in there. You know, it's just a bit of microwaving, the odd bit of oven use. But the bedroom I can't control, the front room I can't control, and the heating in here is pretty useless anyway. And it's such a big room and a, and a, a high ceilings, very high ceilings. All the rooms have high ceilings. Is that right? Um, no, the study doesn't have a high ceiling. Can just about control the heating in the study. That's the only other room I can control the heating in. The bathroom I can't control the heating in. And uh, those new windows in the bathroom. I had a shower just after a run about an hour or so ago before I began prepping this show. And it is so much draftier in that bathroom. It's such a small bathroom. The shower is right by the windows. And now instead of one big thick window, it looks like I've got two thinner windows. I've got two thinner windows. There are two windows. That is a fact. But the the glass feels thinner. It feels draftier in there. And you're just thinking, this is... It's almost painful having a shower in this place. And I had the heating on for an hour before I went in there. There was no way I was going to risk going in there without any heating in January. And it was just uh, an uncomfortable experience. Still not sorted out the washing machine. The plumber, I called him this morning, he's back midweek, so he's going to come on Wednesday. I'm hoping that I can get away with a decent price rather than, you know, be a few hundred pounds down right away at the start of January. I've got no work coming in, so, you know, I could really do without this. I was going to risk a wash today. I've identified where the leak is coming from. It's coming from a corner under the sink, and I don't think it's the same leak that I had at the start of last year that Mickey Blue put a temporary fix on. Even if he'd said it was a permanent fix, with Mickey Blue, everything is just a temporary fix. He's not the best workman, uh, and that's before we even get into his uh, reliability or lack of. So I've got a pile of towels under the sink. They're wetter in one corner at the back, which is how I've established where the leak's coming from. I was going to risk a wash this afternoon just because I've got a real backlog of washing. I've not been able to wash my running stuff for a start. There's loads of bedding. I haven't been able to wash towels. So if and when this gets fixed on Wednesday, at the moment, the way 2021 is shaping up for me, it's just going to be washing. It's incredible how far behind I've fallen on the washing. I don't think I've caught up on the washing since my sister went. There's still bedding from her three-day stay here that I have not been able to wash because of the leak. But at least I've booked the plumber. I was telling myself, I've got to go through all this business again with the tradesmen. I've got to get the dust sheets out. These are the dust sheets that are probably going to have COVID particles on them. You know, there's about 50, 60 pounds worth of dust sheets, probably more actually, particularly the fabric ones. They are worth quite a bit. Ideally, given we're in we're in the COVID era, you'd be throwing these things away because they're just full of dust and wood chippings. But I can't afford to. So they're all in a bin bag and I've got to be careful which ones I take out. And I think I'm just going to try and go with the cleanest ones, which are the ones that I placed at the top when I put put them all in uh, bags and stuffed them back into a cupboard. But, you know, I'm telling myself, oh, look, two, three weeks ago, what I went through, I went through absolute hell with these builders. This is just a guy coming to stick his head under a sink. Hopefully it gets fixed. And that's it. You've been through worse in recent weeks. So, uh, you know, don't 
don't sweat it. And that's that's the approach I'm trying to take. I was, as I say, I was going to risk a wash today. And if the downstairs neighbour hadn't been in this afternoon, I probably would have tried it, given that if the leak is actually leaving this flat, it's going to be dripping into his. I don't think I'm going to risk that while he's here. I think he must be South London's richest 20-something because he's been away for a few days. I, I'm assuming that him and his girlfriend don't live together and he spends some time at hers and she spends some time at his. And every time he's away, the amount of parcels that he gets delivered from Amazon to his place just build up. And uh, when I went out for a run earlier... I think there were about seven or eight boxes, big boxes, right outside his door, along with mail. And he doesn't actually break his boxes down properly. So he'll take up an entire recycling bin with his unbroken boxes, which is, you know, very selfish and an insight into someone's uh, character. Not a, not a good insight into someone's character. There was uh, an instance a couple of months ago where he'd broken down some massive boxes. I don't know what he'd bought, but he just left them in the hallway and, you know, I was going out for a run and I had to try and squeeze past all this cardboard. And you're thinking, well, this virus sticks to any surfaces. You've got to be careful here. I was wearing my gloves, thankfully. But it's just he's someone who's come in and it's all about him. That kind of selfishness extends into the communal hallways. The builders, as I said, and the scaffolders, they were back briefly this morning. It's been chucking it down here in London, so I'm assuming that that led to them finishing very early this morning. So they were coming up, I heard them coming up the scaffolding about 08.30 hours. No New Year's resolutions as far as scaling back the swearing goes, that was evident. The amount of cursing outside those uh, new windows, those uh, still drafty windows this morning, was quite staggering. Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. Episode 302. Follow this uh, show. Follow this work on Twitter and Instagram at 1607 Facebook.com forward slash DRT available. Ways to support the show. If you're not supporting it via Patreon, uh, you can make one-off donations via the PayPal and Coffee.com links on my website at DanielRuizTyson.com, the home for all my work. Do please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you use. As always, particularly keen on Apple Podcast reviews, the one way that definitely helps to increase a show's visibility in the store. Though, obviously, after 301 episodes of uh, whatever this thing is, it's likely the ship has sailed as far as this show recovering the uh, glory days of the Resonance era go thanks to uh, Gemma and Matt for their reviews in the last few weeks much appreciated and very helpful thank you most importantly the best way to support this work is via the uh, patreon page sign up at patreon.com forward slash drt available two very cheap tiers of support offered there please do check it out, patreon.com forward slash DRT available. As I try to work out my audio recording patterns in these early days and weeks of 2021, given the pressure I'm under, it may be that I have to lay off weekly bonus content and instead settle for bonus shows frequently or infrequently. Can't be killing myself for 19 loyal patrons, however loyal those guys are and you know they are the reason that the show is still here what i can promise patrons is that on the weeks where a bonus show is unlikely patrons will have early access to each regular show as they will 
today. And also worth noting that patrons always get the show in stereo while every other platform gets the uh, mono version. In other developments, uh, something that made me feel really old yesterday, my goddaughter sent me a connection request on LinkedIn. It really does feel like, if not just yesterday, the day before yesterday when uh, she was born. And there she is now about to turn 20. Four of those birthdays I think I've correctly remembered. And uh, now she's sending me connection requests on LinkedIn. Today's run, concern as always at the amount of heavy breathing joggers out there. Now I did read this morning that there is a possibility there is going to be a limit placed on exercise, which with this new lockdown coming in, I don't know if that's true. Obviously, it's uh, it's just something that I read today. But my concern with that is obviously I'm I'm a guy that if I don't run every three days, I really do struggle with my fitness. I struggle to maintain it. I, I've realized that just uh, I was surprised last week when I went back after five or six days without being able to run because I was waiting for my test results to come through. I was surprised that I did so well on that first run because I was expecting to be struggling. And in fact, I was far more comfortable on Friday or Saturday, whenever it was. I think it was New Year's Day. I hadn't run since Boxing Day. I got out on New Year's Day. I was far more comfortable on New Year's Day than I was today. The heavy breathing joggers, it does tend to be the ones that have headphones on, earphones on, whatever you call it. You know, they're they're lost in the music. They're usually going really fast. They're completely oblivious to just how heavy they're breathing. I had a guy running towards me today. There was no let up. I was on a path because the grass was so wet. I had to be running on the path. Otherwise, it was just uh, I was just skating my way through the park. I did run partly through the park, but as much as I could, as often as I could, I was running on the paths, and this guy was coming towards me just as I was really starting my run. Can you hear? I mean, this is it. There's no way those windows are double glazing because you heard that traffic. Nothing has changed here. I'm not warmer. The flat isn't quieter. It is not easier to record a podcast in this place. This is just frustrating. Where was I? Okay, I was telling you about my run. I've done my warm-up and, you know, I always incorporate the warm-up into the actual run, open up the lungs, and I'm running, going uphill at the start of the proper run, and it's always a bit of a struggle, so I'm making sure that I'm breathing properly. And this heavy breathing jogger with headphones, he was running towards me, no social distancing at all. I felt his breath in my eyes, and you're thinking, well, if this guy has the virus, that's it for me. I've got it. It's... It is a dangerous thing, the whole jogging, and I speak as someone who does go jogging. I can understand why park walkers get fed up with joggers, because quite a lot of them, the heavy breathers, they are selfish. It is all about their times. Is it, you know, it's all about their... Uh, if there's a, I mean, there's a particular part of the park that does concern me. It's a really tight corridor around a children's adventure playground, and if I was a bit cleverer or if I was less OCD ridden and didn't fret that I always had to follow the same route, I would probably take an earlier turn, which I don't think would cost me too much in terms of my route. But I follow the park to this particular gate, following the adventure playground all the way around. And there's a really tight corridor where you've got people running towards you and you're running towards them. 
And I always think if I'm going to catch something off another jogger, it's going to be in that tight spot. But at the same time, look, there are, I think in the first uh, lockdown, lockdown in inverted commas and with an asterisk to denote it's not the kind of lockdown that uh, you, perhaps if you're listening on the continent, you would not understand. You, you would not see what we've had here at any point in the last nine months as a lockdown. But I'm losing my thread here. No, that's what I was saying. He said all shouty. I can understand why, say, the average park user gets fed up with joggers. You know, I run, I get fed up with joggers. They are selfish, a lot of them. But at the same time, during the lockdown, the first lockdown where you were, I don't know if you were meant to keep your dog on a lead, but the amount of times you'd see dogs off leads and the dogs would be mixing with other dogs, thus bring in two households that might not know each other into contact with each other as they made dog-related small talk. You know, that again wasn't good. I'm not saying it's as bad as the situation with the joggers breathing on everybody as they're, you know, breaking personal bests. But, there, are, you know, there are things that we could all be doing better, even now, I suppose. And, uh, you know, I'm speaking as someone who washes their hands about 200 times a day. So I had the run today. It was a it was a slow run. Well actually it wasn't slow when I looked at the pace. It was actually quite a good run pace wise and considering the treacherous grass, the it was so muddy. I've never been ice skating. I I think this is the closest I get to skating. When I went to get my trainers at this shop about eleven months ago, this running shop and uh, typically for me left the shop without actually buying the trainers but I did buy them online a few days later I think they mentioned that for part of the year I would need a, a second pair of trainers because I'm running on a trail and I don't know if, if that would mean that it's this time of year where I would need those trainers because it's impossible to run on the trail this time of year I don't know if th I don't know anything about this about running accessories would that mean I need running spikes I, I don't know the paths can be quite narrow, and what I've noticed with park users is if there are three or four people walking together, they're walking in a line, you know, side by side, and they don't give you an inch. So you end up having to run on the grass, then you get bogged down in the wet mud. It's been raining nonstop here in London for the last couple of days. There were stretches of my run today, my route, where I was again having to run through the mud. And you just think, why am I doing this? I'm not a cross-country runner. I just want to maintain a decent level of fitness. I should be able to run on the concrete. But these guys, they're just, you know, they know you're running. And they know that there are other people using the park. But it's all about them. So uh, if the walk to the supermarket was, uh, was even a snapshot of just how poor the take-up of masks has been in London, then I guess that running through the park, or just using a park generally, again, it's a snapshot of how selfish people can still be. You know, if I was walking with a bunch of people, and given that we're meant to be socially distancing, I don't think, say there were two or three people walking side by side I wouldn't be the fourth person walking side by side I'd try and walk behind them maybe encourage one of you know one of that quartet to walk by my side so we're just two by two and leave some space for other people to either walk past or run past you know just be aware of your surroundings it's not all about you it's not all about me you know before I'm overtaking anyone I'm always looking back to see 
if anyone's coming up behind me. You know, and if someone's coming up behind me, as they often are, particularly today when it felt like I was being pretty much overtaken by half of the runners in South London. I mean, today was not a good run. I was really, despite the time, despite the pace that uh, my running app showed me, I felt very slow today. But, you know, if someone's coming up behind me, I'll just let them go first. You know, I just want to maintain my fitness. That's it. I'm not here to win any medals. And then uh, I undermined that run anyway, came back, had a full fat yogurt for lunch with some cereal. And I thought, I looked at how many calories I'd burned on my run and it really wasn't enough to justify having a full fat yogurt. And having a full fat yogurt made me realize just how different and much better the taste of a full fat yogurt is compared to the low fat yogurts I normally have on the books front. I've been reading so much and I read so much over the weekend. I told you, I think, last Friday, when was it, New Year's Day, I was with you, I'd finished Sybil Bedford's The Legacy, which I thought was an awful book. I then read Lloyd Shepard's The Detective and the Devil, which was a very good book, but of the Charles Horton Quartet, Quartet even, that was probably the worst of the four books, but it was still a good book. But I came across something in the last 60 or 70 pages in that book. And it reminded me, well, it was basically a library book writing vandal. And similar to last year, I think it was in a number of books, possibly the pastiche homes that I like reading, where I came across what must have been the same person scribbling notes in these books, making corrections, couldn't help themselves. And this was a similar situation. And I'm going to bring up my Instagram feed here because I... I posted a picture of this. Let me bring it up. So it was a 300-page book, and these notes started around uh, page 250. Let me see where it is. If you feel compelled to make this kind of note, why not at least make the note on a post-it note? If you want the world to know that this particular passage in this book is just poorly researched, it's incorrect, just stick a post-it note in the book, hide it in the book, the next reader will come across it and maybe take it on board. This was page 255. Uh, On page 254, the end of a chapter, okay, let me actually speak into the mic, which I've not been doing throughout this. So my mic technique is every bit as bad as when I was a stand-up. Okay, page 254. Okay, the actual passage in question, right, is let me read it to you as you wish wife he said barely glancing at her as he inspected the bottom of seal's boat coiling a length of rope between his elbow and fingers as he did so a task which looked as natural to him as breathing okay on page 254 with an arrow to the passage i've just read to you on page 255 the book vandal has written never and double underlined never emphatically. Then he begins, and I'm thinking this is a guy, I don't think a woman would do this. I don't think a woman would be as pedantic as this. A seaman, seaman is underlined, coils it in his hands and twists it to allow for the, I think that word is lay of the rope, using elbow and hands, using elbow and hand adds kinks to the rope. And that was the first appearance of what would be a number of appearances in the last 50 or 60 pages of the book. I posted that on Instagram. Minty Matt 
uh, replied, hashtag rope pedantry. He certainly got that right, our friend in the Gulf. This was um first time I've seen this level of vandalism in a while. I think if I was a librarian and I became aware of this, I would try and look at that book's borrower history. And then I would try and link, I would try and see what the borrower history is for each borrower of that book. So say I borrowed a particular book three, four months ago that now has some scribbling in it. Some notes have been made. And say I'm a librarian, I'm looking into this. I'm going to look at every person who's borrowed that book for the last six months. I'm going to look at every single book that, that those people have borrowed. And I'm going to go to the shelves. Let's assume it's not a pandemic and, you know, you're free to handle as many books as you want. And I'm going to skim through those books to see if there are, there are any similar notes made until I see some sort of consistent pattern emerge. And then I would have you. Then I would know that you are the library book vandal. So there were more notes towards the end of the book. They were fixing spelling errors, to be fair. There were a few uh, towards the end of the book, but they didn't need pointing out. You know, I'm going to spot them anyway. Real Muttley saw my uh, tweet on this, and uh, they tweeted, once got a second-hand copy of Geoffrey Bernard's memoirs through eBay, annotated anecdotes throughout. Previous owner obviously knew him personally. Quite so I'm now reading, um, actually, let me tell you what I finished reading in a day, which was bloody awful. Saul David, he's a nonfiction writer. I think he writes, he's a war historian, but he's also started writing fiction or has written some fiction in the last sort of dozen years. And bit of a mistake, really. Uh, the Prince and the Whitechapel Murders. And, uh, you know, me and my appetite for that period of uh, late Victorian history. I got it. And I finished whatever it was, 300 pages or 280 pages in a day. It was so badly written and I was aware of how bad it was. And I wasn't really enjoying it, but I wasn't troubled by the fact that I was stuck with it because I knew I wasn't going to be stuck with it. And in the same way that I was with Sybil Bedford, the, uh, the legacy, I knew that the legacy was going to take me a few days to read, but the Saul David one. You know, it was bigger print, which is, you know, can often be a, a sign that a book is not going to change your life. It was a hardback as well, which I, I can't stand hardbacks. They do hurt my hurt my hands. And uh, I'm glad to get this book out of the way. It was just uh, really bad. I'm on a, I'm currently on a, a bad run of books because I've got uh, Sybil Bedford, The Legacy. I've now got the Saul David book. So two of the last three books have been, well, they've just not been very good. They're not been, well, they've not been books that I enjoy. I'm prepared to accept that Sybil Bedford's book is a classic. I'm prepared to accept that there will be people who say, no, you just didn't get it. It just wasn't for you, that's all. But it's a brilliantly written book. I can see that it was a brilliantly written book. I just didn't like it from start to finish. Saul David's The Prince and the Whitechapel Murders. No, it's not a good book. It's badly written and it's not a good book. It's not a good story. It's it's absolute drivel, really. And I won't be reading uh, more of their work. I'm now reading Jim Eldridge's uh, Murder at the Manchester Museum. I've got another Mike Gale book that needs to be... Someone's reserved it at Lambeth Library, so I need to return that by the um, the 11th. So I need to finish this Jim Eldridge book pretty quick, which I'm enjoying already. It's um, I think it's set in the 1890s, 
and starts with a, a train journey to Manchester, I think, on a sleeper train. It's something I don't have bucket lists. If you were going to say to me, though, is there one thing that you would like to do if you were pushed to do something, if you were pushed to have a bucket list, then I'd say, you know, I wouldn't mind experiencing sleeping on a train. You know, I'd do that. I'd, I'd, I'd try that. Maybe just from here to Scotland. You know, once we're out of this uh, pandemic, if that ever happens. Breakfast update uh, this morning, toast. I was wearing the 10 layers this morning. So my sleeves, there were a lot of sleeves, which wasn't conducive to good butter spreading. But with some effort, I was able to drive that butter to all four corners of the bread, making sure that toast was well buttered, as all toast should be. And uh, I did enjoy that so I just had to do a, a couple of uh, lengthy phone calls for my aunt and uncle, and I was still doing them. I think I started at oh eight hundred hours. I I finally finished by eleven hundred hours, and uh, I booked something in for them a repair. And I I checked with them before at the weekend. Is there any day you can't do? No, no, no. Just tell them to come. You know, whenever you can get that appointment, that'll be fine. So I got the appointment, and I called and let them know. And told them it's going to be on such and such a day at such and such a time. Oh, no, we can't can't do that day. We're going for our vaccine. So I had to call again. And this time, because I was calling later in the morning, I had to have my phone on speaker for an hour while I waited for someone to pick up. So that slowed my day down. But at least that is now uh, sorted. Uh, let me give you my um, Nectar Points update. So this is from the 2nd of uh, January. Really got to speak into the mic. Technically, I'm, uh, I've am i got, uh, let me just give you before I go, uh, Friday night, of course, I'm live on uh, Mixcloud Live with Clay Lowe at Soul Cruiser. You can follow our Friday night show at Try All You Want underscore. Show it some love. It's just got 11 followers on Twitter, which uh, won't surprise you, but uh, that's a live show on Friday. There's also a Listen Again link that I've tweeted and has also been tweeted from uh, that account. And I'm not sure why I mentioned that now. Oh, that's I'm just mentioning what I'm doing this week. I'm about to say when I was talking about all the, uh, well, the erratic, the erratic audio delivery with this mixer and all the new equipment, I've got an interview to do for well it, it it is done but it's going to be very problematic to edit there is a way around it but it's going to take quite a while it's a two-hour interview as well that's the thing a lot of these old guys do not stop uh, talking so that's going to take up quite a bit of my week so that's uh, when shorts were short episode four that should be out thursday or friday and trial you want on friday night uh, live which i'm enjoying doing it's uh it's great fun. Of course, there are some technical difficulties, my end with that. But uh, once we finally sorted those out on Friday night, I really did enjoy myself. OK, so this was a big, uh, relatively big buy from Sainsbury's. Normally don't spend that much in Sainsbury's, but because I'd you know, been isolating for five days, I was well behind on my shopping. The cupboards were bare, bought uh, skimmed milk, some fabric conditioner. I think I went for a, a, a bigger size this time, £1.35, bought a yogurt, tin of beans, had to pay more for raisins, 500 grams of raisins, 180, which would be about 139 in Lidl, but Lidl were out. Bought some, uh, a tin of mixed beans, chili beans, that my sister got me into on her brief stay here. 
bought some more coffee, uh, some washing up liquid, some lockets for the throat, anti-back wipes, uh, four single oranges at 30p. Not very big oranges, I have to say. Bought some more uh, all-purpose cloths and uh, a couple of loose potatoes, which I'd entered incorrectly. And uh, the till had marked them up at 83p when in fact they were 41p. So um, the self-checkout girl had to come over and avoid that. Everything came to 16.31. My previous points balance was 476. I earned 16 points. My new points balance is 492. So I make points from the magical 500 barrier just as we're about to go into whatever it is tonight, tier 20. So I didn't make the 500 for Christmas. I'm making it belatedly. And that is it. That is the end of this week's show. These glasses are hurting. I've got the glasses on with the headphones. It's the whole headphone ear business. I'm sure I'm going to get cauliflower ears. I hope you guys have a decent week. It is time for you guys to get your shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. Keep washing those hands. I'm Daniel Ruiz Tyson. And this start of the week, I have been available. 